press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, August 18. Sell us your home. That's the message from the New South Wales government to residents in flood-devastated towns. A landmark inquiry has recommended private property located on floodplains should be bought and repurposed for public use. The report's authors, former Police Commissioner Mick Fuller and Science Chief Mary O'Kane, also tore strips off emergency agencies, saying New South Wales must be better prepared for disasters. The nation's top universities say they plan to bolster staff numbers after returning better-than-expected financial results in 2021. It's also revealed today unis continued to pump funding into advertising campaigns and external consultants during the devastation of COVID-19. International student numbers crashed and there were sweeping job cuts. Former Prime Minister Scott Morrison has defended his decision to secretly co-opt five ministerial portfolios in a defiant press conference. He's blaming pressure from the media and ordinary Australians for his actions. It comes as former Deputy Chief Medical Officer Nick Coatsworth calls for a comprehensive review of the Biosecurity Act. That's what opened the door for Morrison's extraordinary political move. More on that in just a moment. Plus, later in the episode, inside the Australian scientific breakthrough that could change the way we treat pancreatic cancer forever. With the minister in Come here. Well, I'm, I'm not going to be verbal, Andrew, or bullied in this press conference by you trying to put words in my mouth. No, that's not what I said. You mightn't understand it because you haven't been a prime minister in the middle of the worst crisis since the Second World War. Did the prime minister take any additional payment for any of these things? Of course not. Did the prime Did minister the... deceive his colleagues? Yes, yes, yes. Will you resign? Well, of course not. Former PM Scott Morrison has faced journalists for the first time since it was revealed he was secretly sworn in to five portfolios during the pandemic. Morrison held his line. Everything he did was in Australia's best interests. These were emergency, effectively, reserve powers. Um, I think there was a great risk that in the midst of that crisis... Um, those powers could be misinterpreted and misunderstood, which would have caused unnecessary angst in the middle of a pandemic and could have impacted on the day-to-day functioning of the government. There was an apology to ministers he defended, but no contrition as Morrison blamed media expectations and public pressure for his decision to secretly co-opt five key portfolios. There was a clear expectation established in the public's mind, certainly in the media's mind, and absolutely certainly in the mind of the opposition, as I would walk into question time every day, that I as Prime Minister was responsible pretty much for every single thing that was going on. Every drop of rain, every strain of the virus, everything that occurred over that period of time. Morrison said only one minister knew what he'd done, Minister for Health, Greg Hunt. 
His logic was circular. He claimed his actions were justified and lawful and said the other minister's ignorance of the arrangements, including that of his close friend Josh Frydenberg, proved he hadn't done anything wrong. I did not act as minister. There were not two ministers doing the same job. My confidence was in them to keep just doing their job. Now, the fact that I didn't interfere in doing their job shows the confidence I had in them. The fact that ministers were unaware of these things is actually proof of my lack of interference or intervention in any of their activities and that I honoured the basis upon which I sought those powers because I was only ever going to use them in an emergency situation that would require that. Now I understand um, the offence that some of my colleagues particularly have, have felt about this. I understand that and I've apologised to them. But equally, as Prime Minister, only I could really understand the weight of responsibility that was on my shoulders and, and on no one else. But there was one other minister who knew. That's Nationals MP Keith Pitt, who was the Minister for Resources. He was open to approving a controversial gas exploration project off the New South Wales coast. But Morrison, believing it was a massive electoral risk in seats being targeted by Teal Independence, killed off the project using his secret powers. And that's how Keith Pitt found out he had a bedfellow. Now, Morrison says he was acting to protect the environment. I don't regret that for a second. And I don't think anyone who went surfing off the New South Wales coast this week, up around Newcastle or the Central Coast or off the uh, northern beaches, would take any issue with a Prime Minister who lived up to his word and uh, considered this matter from first principles as I was required to do under the Act, which I did, without prejudice, worked through the issue and made a decision that did not see that project or that lease to be extended. It was suggested to the former PM a number of times that anywhere else on the planet, this is the behaviour of dictators. But he said he kept the controversial ministry's secret to preserve Australians' faith in our democratic system. I was concerned that these issues could have been misconstrued and misunderstood and undermine the confidence of ministers um, in the performance of their duties at that time, and I did not consider that to be in the country's interest. The Australian's Greg Sheridan has labelled Morrison's behaviour bizarre, saying plenty of other governments navigated the pandemic without making such drastic changes. Our Canberra Bureau Chief, Joe Kelly, says Morrison was right to front up, but that his confusing and contradictory message risks tainting his pandemic management legacy. Anthony Albanese followed up Tuesday's searing assessment of the situation with a few choice words. Scott Morrison was evasive, he was defensive, he was passive-aggressive and, of course, he was self-serving. So at least he was true to himself today. What we saw was all of his characters on full display, blaming everyone else, not accepting any responsibility. The press conference ended on a poignant note as Morrison pleaded with the media he's courted over the course of his career to respect his family's privacy. I would ask that you would not film my family, that you would not be standing on my driveway each morning as they go to school. We're moving on with our life. As a former Prime Minister, I intend to go on being a quiet Australian in the Shire 
and in St George, doing my job as a local member. And I would ask you to respect the privacy of my family. And uh, when we're out and about doing things as a family, or down at the Sharkies, seeing them make the semi-finals. All the best. Up next, an exciting breakthrough for Australians diagnosed with one of our most frightening killers, pancreatic cancer. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts. There's new hope today for sufferers of one of the deadliest cancers. Pancreatic cancer has a survival rate of around 5% and that hasn't budged in decades, even as other cancers like breast and prostate have seen dramatic improvements in patients' prospects. Pancreatic cancer is the cancer that killed Steve Jobs and Aretha Franklin. It's absolutely devastating for families because usually when a diagnosis is made, all doctors can really do is tell patients to go and sort their affairs out and that they have maybe a few months to live. About a year ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. I had a scan at 7.30 in the morning and it clearly showed a tumour on my pancreas. I didn't even know what a pancreas was. The doctors told me this was almost certainly a type of cancer that is incurable and that I should expect to live no longer than three to six months. My doctor advised me to go home and get my affairs in order, which is doctor's code for prepare to die. I'm joined now by the Australian's health editor, Natasha Robinson, who's breaking a story today about a new clinical trial. Natasha, tell us about the story. There has been a drug that's been in development for some time by an Australian biotechnology company called Amplia Therapeutics. They've had input from sciences and some of the foremost scientific institutes across the country under the Cooperative Research Centre. And they've basically developed this drug and they've brought it to the point now where they're able to launch a human clinical trial such that Patients with advanced pancreatic cancer who sign up for this trial will be able to be treated with this drug. And what this drug does is it breaks down the fibrotic tissue that forms around cancer and it makes the cancer actually impenetrable largely to chemotherapy, which is why chemotherapy doesn't have a really great success rate in treating pancreatic cancer. So what they're describing this new treatment as is a kind of a one-two punch. So they give this drug that they've developed that breaks down the fibrotic tissue and then a couple of weeks later they'll give the chemotherapy and then they'll repeat it in a cycle over and over again. And they're pretty confident that they'll be able to penetrate the cancer so much better with the chemotherapy and they'll also be able to influence how likely it is to spread around the body. 
So much cancer research is directed at early diagnosis and early testing. This is a really different path, isn't it? This is about attacking it once it has developed to a significant stage. That's right. And the issue with pancreatic cancer is that it is hard to detect. So often by the time that it gets diagnosed, it's at a very advanced stage and it's incredibly difficult to treat as well. So this really represents a really big advance in treatment for pancreatic cancer amid a kind of situation, as you point out, where the survival rates for the disease have not improved in decades. So it's a devastating cancer and it hasn't had a a particularly high priority. So the cancer research centres, the scientific institutes have invested so heavily in the development of this Australian developed drug. So Amplia Therapeutics and the Garvin really want to get the message out to doctors that this trial is happening so that they can let their patients know and potentially enrol their patients. And what is actually really unusual about this clinical trial is it's enrolling patients who've never had any treatment before. So they're newly diagnosed with advanced pancreatic cancer and they'll receive this very different kind of treatment. And the reason that is so unusual is because usually in clinical trials, people will have had certain treatments a number of times or chemo's failed, whatever it is, and they're way down the track and then they enrol in a clinical trial. But in this case, they've got special approval to treat these cancers in a very different way. And that's because there is evidence that this really is likely to be a much more successful method of treatment. So if that is borne out, it will revolutionise pancreatic cancer treatment here and across the world and will be an absolute boon for pretty small Australian biotechnology company who's sunk millions into the development of a drug from the ground up. So we'll be watching the trial with a lot of interest. Natasha Robinson is The Australian's health editor. Come back to the front tomorrow. And in the meantime, you can read all our news and analysis at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.